LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders, and welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for Gospel Center Ministry every week. And today, I'm joined by Tom Patterson. Welcome, Tom, to The One Thing. Hey, Scott. Sorry that I'm not Derek. It's okay. Don't apologize. There's only one Derek, and uh, he's irreplaceable. Uh, Tom, if uh, for listeners out there, if you don't know him, Tom is our producer, and he's joining us on The One Thing. We're having a special COVID uh, episode with Tom today. Tom, your role at uh, Geneva Push, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I've been working behind the scenes on the podcast, so uh, send all your complaints to me. Also do a little bit of consulting and been putting together some of the web pages recently. That's been fun. Now, the one thing is brought with you with thanks to Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network. We're also part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. And I just want to encourage you to check out uh, a podcast called Group Answers. Uh, if you run a small group, if you're running the small groups ministry in your church, uh, this is a podcast just for you. The most recent episode, what churches are planning for the next season of groups, I reckon will be a great one. Check out Group Answers, part of our Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. But for now, you've pressed play on another episode of The One Thing. Run better meetings. Now, in this episode, Tom has taken the time and talked with Michael Lynn. Michael Lynn has over 30 years experience coaching both secular and not-for-profit leaders. He has extensive experience uh, training in leadership via the Allstone program. He's also a director of Geneva Push. Uh, Tom caught up with Michael and asked him about the biblical principles of meetings. I'm no theologian, but uh, I've always found that Ephesians 4 uh, is helpful to me. It tells us that we're given different roles in the church as the body of Christ. It gives us a purpose. Uh, we are to equip others for ministry in order to build up the body of Christ to maturity in Christ. It also gives us a sense of our attitude. So in verse 1, Paul urges us to live lives worthy of our calling. So if God has put us in the meeting then I take it that this means that we must bring all of ourselves into the room, into that meeting. Our convictions, our creativity, integrity, the talents God's given us, the experience he's given us, the wisdom he's given us, our personality that we've been created with, uh, which leads me to believe that there should be good, healthy, strong debate and even constructive conflict from time to time. In verse 15, he calls this speaking the truth uh, and speaking the truth in love. So I take it that this means when we go back to earlier in the chapter, uh, we do this in humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with each other in love. And can I just say that... Um, too often I see these biblical truths of love, grace, fellowship and encouragement being taken a little bit too superficially. So what do I mean by that? Uh, that in meetings people won't disagree, really. They will let people drag on. 
They won't want to impose or say anything that might upset anyone or be taken as negative. The problem with that is that it really gets in the way of running effective and efficient meetings. All right, Scott, so now that we've listened to that clip, I would love to hear your reflections. Uh, what stood out for me particularly was him saying that disagreement could be good. Uh, that's not something that I uh, automatically resonate with, but I'm learning that it's probably true anyway. Uh, my natural tendency is to try and make everyone be happy and to avoid the conflict, but he's saying that we actually want to push into conflict because God has made us to be different. What do you reckon, Scott? So I'm, I'm, I am interested, though, in terms of avo the avoiding conflict, because in some ways, conflict makes meetings enjoyable, makes meetings engage, engaging. So the most of your meetings... It's funny that you say that, because so it makes them, I think it makes them more helpful. But for me, maybe it's just my personality type. I find that it makes them less enjoyable, but I'm getting around to the point that it probably makes them more productive. So he makes a he makes a point of, of wanting to speak the truth in love, or may also makes a helpful point that we are a part of a part of a body. You know, in in church life, there are people with different gifts uh, and skills, and and obviously different personalities as well. But that end goal of wanting to speak the truth in love. So I think in some ways, if you if you have that outcome of actually wanting to get to a truthful, loving you know position, conflict along the way can be quite a helpful thing. Now, let me uh, raise some conflict right now, Scott, because you're saying uh, truth in love. And if we, if we do that, we can get to the true position. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling like, but what if there's multiple true positions? What if her answer is good and his answer is good? And I don't know, what do we, how do we decide? Well, Tom, we can't, we can't do everything. And so in some ways, a, a good meeting uh, leader or, or chairperson They'll, they'll mine for that conflict. I think that's a useful phrase that Lindsay only used. You, you know, you mine for conflict. You look for, for those seams in, in the meeting uh, to actually be able to bring up all those options. But, there, you know, the reality often is with all those options, you can't do everything. So ultimately, someone has to, uh, has to miss out. But that doesn't have to be a position of conflict. That can be a shared, collaborative understanding that, hey, we've only got 168 hours in the week and that's all we, all we can achieve. That's good. And the phrase that he used was constructive conflict which uh, in my head is coming up against destructive conflict. So I'm getting my head around it slowly. This is helpful. Now, Michael also goes on in this next clip to talk about some of the key mistakes people make. The top three mistakes I see leaders make when chairing meetings, um, I'm going to actually try to squeeze in four, but number one, the focus is on the meeting rather than on the outcomes. So we rush to meetings, ill-prepared, and fuzzy on the outcomes that are needed. Then after the meeting, we rush out to the next thing and we're fuzzy on what the outcomes of the meeting were. So what were really the decisions and why and what were the concrete actions that came out of it and who was meant to do them. So we live with the presumption that everyone knows and if they don't really know, they can figure it out, which makes follow-up and holding people accountable very difficult. Which leads us to the second mistake being fuzzy on outcomes means that we don't facilitate the right discussion and have it in a balanced way. So we either get on track all too often or we're pushing through all too fast. So either way, we don't get good, robust discussion where we're bringing out a balance of views, perspectives and options on a way forward. The third mistake is that 
even though we do all these things, we don't take the time to review our meetings. So they become an ongoing pattern of mediocrity, which also leads to ineffective action in many instances. I'd like to uh, say there's a fourth mistake I see um, teams make where consensus rather than collaboration is the goal. And if your focus is on the meeting and on superficial unity and not about outcomes, then I guess consensus works, but it will not get you an effective outcome and actions flowing from it. All right, so I loved uh, how he talked about it being an unbalanced discussion. And Scott, having worked for you for a couple of months now, I reckon that for me personally, I tend to push through the meeting too fast and you do the opposite one. You tend to get us off track. Oh my goodness, is this is a little bit of truth in love here. For someone who doesn't like conflict, you're, you're I'm learning to do conflict. <laughs> the, uh, it, whenever I go off track, Tom, it's always on purpose. So it's not really off track. You know, there's a purposeful off trackness in our meetings. But it is helpful to have that self awareness, I think, to, to know, you know, know where, where, you, uh, where you go wrong. So your personal trade of pushing through too fast. So talk us through that, Tom. Yeah, tell me about your failings on the podcast. And the first I, I one think, too, first time in. <laughs> I think that um, uh, for those of us out there who are task focused, and I would naturally put myself in that bucket, I'm thinking my task here is to uh, have this discussion and make sure it fits within the 10 minute frame that we allotted it. And uh, if we've done that, then it's a success. But what Michael is really helpfully correcting me on is saying that um, you know, if you stick to 10 minutes but you don't actually get anywhere useful, then what was the point in the first place? You know, no need to just push through fast. The actual aim is to make quality decisions and get to the truth in love. I, I'm a, I, I process things quickly and, and I'm outcome focused as well. I want to, I want to get to the, to the goal. So a helpful tip that I learned from uh, Craig Tucker was have a, have a glass of water nearby. And every time you actually want to jump in and you know, drive the conversation, you actually take a sip of the glass of water and put it down and just listen and let, uh, you know, let it let it flow as well. Mm-hmm. But but I've equally, been drinking a lot of water recently. <laughs> equally, we can get off track as well. So so meetings that meetings that don't have a, a purpose and actually don't move towards an outcome can also be quite uh, unhelpful. So it's it's I think it's helpful often to say what what are we doing in this meeting? Are, are we are we making a decision? Uh, if so, how can we make that decision well? Are we just brainstorming? So what might seem off track to you, Tom? is actually purposeful off trackness because we're brainstorming and we're, you know, collectively thinking. But at the end of it, we might say, let's do that for the next 20 minutes, but let's move towards actually making a, uh, a decision as well. Uh, I think it makes a helpful point as well in there about reviewing meetings and the need to um, evaluate them as well. So I, I think it's always worthwhile every few months to go, okay, for those regular meetings that you're having in, in church life, uh, what's the purpose? Uh, how are we actually going at achieving those outcomes? How can we make the agenda work better so for example you know recently at geneva push we have uh we've added a whole bunch of just doing fun stuff and made our team meeting our regular weekly team meeting less tactical and more relational and uh, and that's what our team has needed we've had sort of about 15 minutes of relational time generally but we've actually increased that to 30 or 40 minutes and so it's been uh appropriate for this time and so with that cue into online meetings uh why don't we hear the final clip So how does running a meeting online change things? Uh, The big thing that we're dealing with here 
is we're looking at a two-dimensional screen and we're looking from the shoulder up. So there's a lot of cues that we don't get. So can I reinforce, be clear about the purpose of the meeting and the time frame? make sure that's clear for everybody. Yep, Zoom is very convenient, but it's also very tiring. I get a lot, uh, I get tired a lot faster looking at the computer screen and trying to engage with all the faces on there. And discussion and interactivity are also uh, very difficult. It's hard to hear when people start talking over each other. So be clear about purpose and time frame. Be clear about approach. And again, make sure that everyone set expectations right up front. What are the rules? What are the protocols? Is it okay for me to turn the video off from time to time? Is it okay for me to um, take a toilet break or go and get a coffee? And will there actually be breaks uh, sprinkled throughout that meeting? What else? Be firm and disciplined in your facilitation. You need to be more directive and probably more structured. As the, as the chairman or the facilitator of the meeting, you need to be watching everyone all the time. What's the energy level like? How, how are people engaging? Are people participating? Is anyone getting lost? Is anyone being too quiet? And what do you need to do about those things? So find ways to change it up. So how do you become uh, more verbally expressive? Tone, pitch, pace, how can you vary those? Uh, even though you're just one in the meeting, uh, other people will take your lead. What about visually? How do you become more visually expressive? Even when you're not speaking, can you pull away from the, the camera a little bit and uh, show your torso, show from the waist up? Uh, move your arms around a little bit more, nod. And it's always good to do check-ins. So check in every 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And if your meeting is going for an hour, maybe you need to take a break halfway through. All right, so Scott, here's my question for you. Michael says that if you're having a one hour meeting, uh, you should get about halfway through. You should ask how everyone's doing. And uh, if necessary, give them a breather. Do you reckon that's a little bit of a dream in a one hour meeting? Like we do you need a you know, I think you need to get a bit of a can, can of toughen up. You know, it's only an hour. You know, what, what you know, maybe in a three-hour meeting, but not a mm. not a one-hour. No, I, th I think I think it makes a really helpful point. It's it's tiring, and actually having a break in meetings is a really useful thing to actually make them work better. Mm. So Scott, one of the things he talked about was being firm and disciplined in facilitation. Uh, he talked about being able to see everyone, and as the uh, Zoom meeting leader, keeping a real tight eye on how everyone else is going. Uh, so Scott, do you use the gallery view or the speaker view when you're running a Zoom meeting? I, I think it depends on how many people are in the, in the room uh, and also what you're trying to do in the meeting. So I actually find it quite tiring looking at myself when I, you know, in, in the Zoom thing, you know, you're checking sort of your facial expressions and actually I find it quite distracting. So that's when I often like to turn it on to uh, speaker view so that I can actually focus on the person who is speaking. But once a group gets to sort of 10 to 12, Gallery view can be really quite uh, helpful just in engaging where people are at uh, in, in the room. All right, Scott, uh, what's in the toolbox today? Well, if you're looking for a great meet, uh, book on meetings and, and pushing into meetings, Lencioni's Death by Meeting is, uh, is exceptional. It's one of those story books. So unfortunately, you, don't, you can't sort of open up to a chapter and get all the, all the key tips. But if you go to the back, just a tip, you can read 15 pages, which has all the kernels of truth in it. Uh, the Allstone course. Michael Lynn and Peter Moore have put together an exceptional course uh, training uh, Christian leaders. So uh, check out the links to the show notes. They've got a course in Sydney and in Perth uh, towards the end of this year.
So Scott, we're up to the one thing. What's the one thing we need to know about running meetings? I, I think the key one today for me was uh, evaluate. Take the time regularly to evaluate your meetings. Are they actually achieving the purpose that you want them to? All right, fantastic. Well, that's the end of the one thing for today. If you've liked what you've heard, then would you please rate us on iTunes? That genuinely does make a difference to help us get this in more people's ears. I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Tom Patterson. Chat soon.